You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Another episode of Love of Pages. Please, quick reminder if you like this podcast, you can find us on geekleetmedia.com or on our YouTube channel, Geekleet Media. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy us at the end of this episode, please go on your podcatcher and rate and subscribe to us so that way other people can find us and join us on this wonderful virtual book club adventure. Mm-hmm. Always want you here for more readers. So today we are on part four and five of Scythe. I am mm-hmm. once again going to attempt to properly say the word throughout right. the entire podcast. <laughs> we'll see if third time's yeah. the charm. I think how, like if you were reading it, how often it would come out incorrectly? Because it'd be like, ah, Sith Faraday, Scythe. Sky Faraday. <laughs> it's a word that, like, the more you look at it, the more it looks like it's spelled wrong. Like, it's one of those words mm-hmm. for me. But it may also have something to do with drinking while reading. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why I. Maybe that's why I've never mispronounced this one. <laughs> it's an issue. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's the trick. But on that note, I'm going to turn it over to Jessica for our mm. cocktail of the evening Yay. slash cocktail. So we decided for the old guard in Scythe, we are going to be drinking aloe vera juice. <laughs> yeah. um, no, this is the old fashioned, which is actually pretty much considered one of the first cocktails, pretty much. Um, I made mine the super duper traditional way, which is where you take a sugar cube, you soak that sugar cube in a couple of bitters, throw in a slice of orange, muddle it up, top it with however much bourbon you want, or like rye whiskey. And add a maraschino cherry, which has sunk down to the bottom, and yeah. a little orange slice. But yeah, it's actually one of my favorite cocktails in general. So, and I took the cheater's way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, because I am somebody, I don't eat enough fresh oranges. That dissecting an orange for a cocktail seems wasteful to me. <laughs> So I actually discovered these candied orange slices at Trader Joe's, which are highly useful. So I just shove one of those in the bottom of the glass yeah. and then pour the bourbon and bitters on top of it. I couldn't find those anywhere because we don't have a Trader Joe's. So this is, this is valid. I stock up on them when I leave town or actually when my parents go to Phoenix for doctor's appointments, they stop by a Trader Joe's and bring me back these coffee and other treats and i forego the maraschino cherry because i don't like cherries and i've never liked cherries and i always get funny looks when i order an old fashioned minus the cherry people look at me weird but oh well there's nothing wrong with that i the last time i went to a bar uh i went up and i was with naima and we went in and we were just getting food it was going to be like half an hour for the food so they had to sit at the bar um and I was like, uh, "Can we get two um, two Shirley Temples?" And the guy was like, "Okay, yeah. Uh, you, you want you want like vodka with that?" And I didn't even know that was a thing. Yep, a dirty Shirley. Yeah, dirty Shirley. I was like, "No, I want a Shirley Temple, sir." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's yep. Sounds about right. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That's okay. My my favorite is sometimes I'll go and drink with Mitch, and he usually gets Jameson and water. But if he doesn't do that, he gets something that's super girly. And I'm constantly like, no, I just want whiskey on the rocks, scotch on the rocks. Like, <laughs> give it to me straight. Don't bother with any of the other stuff. <laughs> I mean, is, isn't Mitch then getting the drink that's like typically the like, it's going to mess you up more drink? Yes. Because the, mm-hmm. the idea yeah. for girly drinks is like, ooh, they're girly, but like, they're strong. They are super strong. They are super strong. They're, yeah. they're no, strong in sugars help alcohol in your brain. So like sugars mm-hmm. make you get drunk faster. So yeah, you process it faster. Um, which is what happened on Saturday when Jessica and I were hanging out and we did a virtual party and I made painful cocktails. You, you did. I know the, the cocktail was just, cocktail. it was supposed to be out of like a less than normal container. Yes. It had to be something you had to have your uh, drink and anything but a cup. So Mitch mm-hmm. and I bought a watermelon and I used the halves of the watermelon after I scooped them out. And then I mixed the watermelon juice with tequila, triple sec, and then um, some simple syrup. Triple sec sounds scary. As a person who doesn't drink in any way, shape, or form, it sounds nuts. Like that sounds like that sounds like a bullet type. Yeah. Yeah. That's another here there or there. There are other liqueurs that are more dangerous, like peach schnapps. Definitely uh, killer. You don't taste the alcohol in that one. Ah, uh, I see. I see. But it's great for jello shots. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on. So, if you want to drink with us, old fashions, um, we did find, I, I don't think Stephen was able to find all the ingredients, but a mocktail version of the old fashioned, you replace the bourbon with barley tea. Hmm. I, I do have that here. I messed up. Oh. <laughs> Is he right out, Stephen? Shh. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I just want to be honest with you, listeners. <laughs> But no, so, uh, um, go ahead. No, 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 you. I think we were going to do the same thing here. Moving on to the footnote. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in charge of the footnote and I took notes because that's who I am. Um, so we thought because of all of the scythe's colorful robes and the only rule being that you can't wear black, which mm-hmm. I found very interesting. We thought it would be fun to talk about the history of color symbolism. So I'm hoping most everybody's familiar generally with the color wheel, color meaning symbolisms. Um, And so I have always been really intrigued by what brings those things about. And so it is both an anthropological and a historical study on color symbolism because anthropologists uh, can find evidence, uh, along with archaeologists, can find evidence that suggests color symbolism began as early as 90,000 BC. Okay. So. What are the, the examples main, for this? So in terms of most of the evidence has been found in like grave sites and different types of people wearing similar colors. Mm, mm. 
to like males wearing all similar colors, females mm-hmm. wearing similar colors. And so they think that there was definitely a, a hierarchy of symbolism there, as well as in different pottery pieces and tools from around the same time period. It also probably does help that there was sort of a hierarchy of how to make those paints. Yeah. Like, for the yeah. longest time, like blue was really rare because it only came from a certain flower or something. Well, purple and scarlet have, were, the have been the flower. most rare, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which is why. So when you move into more recent histor- history, between the 5th and 17th century, color symbolism was really dictated by religious beliefs and religious contexts. Mm-hmm. Uh which is why you see cardinals wearing red, scarlet, because it was exceptionally mm-hmm. hard to find, particularly to get it in that deep a color. Mm-hmm. And purple saved for Advent, which would have been the most holy time of the year because purple was so exceptionally hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Purple also being reserved primarily for royalty at about the same time. Yeah. What's really important though to remember is that color symbolism is very context-dependent. It can change even within the same culture over time, but certainly between different cultures. So, for example, we were just talking about purple. In a lot of Western Europe, purple symbolizes royalty, prestige. Mm -hmm. But in Japan, it symbolizes evil and infidelity. Yeah. The same... So the same symbolization for evil and infidelity are blue in East Asia, other parts of East Asia, and yellow in France which I don't ever think of yellow as infidelity being American. Like, yellow is just fine and happy. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's not a color I describe for infidelity. Yeah, it's summer colors. Exactly. <laughs> so it's an interesting changeover. And then because of what we're talking about, the one I found really interesting was the color for death. So if I tell you, give me a color for death, what is the color that the two of you think of? Honestly, I go to like a deep green. I go to white, like lilies. So, <laughs> in the U.S., it's typically black, mm-hmm. the color for death. However, in East Asia, it's white, <laughs> and in Iran, it's blue. Is um <sighs> there? There was one. I forget what the thing was. There's a. Is it Korean culture? Um, if you there's there's something with a red pen. I exactly what the thing is. I can I can look it oh. up, but uh, there's yeah. like a death significance to uh, re- writing with a red pen. Hmm. That would I mean that would be interesting because so the other thing is is like what color is a warning color for you? Like if you were to see a warning sign out in the world, what color would you expect it to be? I mean we've we've gone to the like the ideas of red, orange, and yellow being yeah. our culture. Mm-hmm. So. And, like, if you think of the stock market, what color symbolizes up? Again, it's green. We, we, we have a system for this one. Yeah. But in China and other East Asia cultures, it's switched. Green is the symbol for downtrends in the stock market, and red is the symbol. Uh, for- it, it's great. There, there's also... Um, uh, I mean, they, it, they wear black for weddings. Mm-hmm. So. Which is way cooler. Um, <laughs> but no, there's also uh, like across. Um, if either of you, any of you guys play any kind of video games or anything, um, US games, your button that's on like the bottom middle of the controller is your affirmative one. The one that's mm-hmm. on like the top or like the the middle right of it is your like exit or negative. Uh, in yeah. Japan, those are switched. 
So if you're playing Animal Crossing and going back and forth between like uh, your PlayStation and that, oh boy, is that frustrating. <laughs> Suddenly you're saying no. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, w- I would love this. I would, I would love to take this. And you're like, no. Nope. I didn't even think of that. As I have such issues playing Animal Crossing because I always hit the wrong button. And I'm like, God, <laughs> like, yeah, why no. is this wrong? I'm like, it, why can't I figure it out? And that's why I can't figure it out. It's a bear. Oh, so, but you can even see changes in color symbolism change over time. What color is the color for girls? Well, currently I'm in right it's now. pink. Yeah. Currently, it's pink in the but, U.S. But in fact, prior to the 1950s, girls were dressed in blue because it was considered a softer color. color. And boys were dressed in pink because it was a more fierce color, more akin to red. Red. Mm -hmm. So those actually have been switched over time within the same culture. So for those of you interested, there's a lot of information out there, but you do kind of have to dig because when you try and Google the history of color symbolism, they just want to tell you about what it is currently. Yeah. And it's highly unhelpful. So you do kind of have to dig into the scholarly research to get there, but it can be done. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there's a footnote on color symbolism. Yay. So, interesting one. Thank Yay. you for that. So I'm going to toss it back over to Jess for okay. getting us into the book. Although, speaking of which, I was really thrown by this section. But it's the final section. See, look, I had absolutely no control over this ending, so you cannot blame me right now. You knew it was a trilogy. You knew when you recommended it that it was a trilogy. Just like I said it was going to, and I was going to be unhappy. And she told you, but unhappy. And I've already ordered the second book. Good. (laughs) Speaking from from the end of the trilogy, it's a good time. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I got you guys into it though. I'm so happy. Um yeah, so I don't even know what my first question is. I guess my first question should be, so how did you think? Did you like the ending? Are you surprised at all by the ending? I liked the ending very much. I was a little surprised because I did not expect Citra to be quite that ingenious. Like oh, she she built this up her she's smart there's no question that she's smart but you don't get cunning from her and her final move at the end of this book very cunning for for anyone who who somehow is relying entirely on us for plot what is oh. her final move okay so again <laughs> the, the plot we left off the end of part three she had jumped off the high blades house house cliff yeah um, and splatted Splattered. so and then thunderhead very intelligent very it, so we open thunderhead has very diligently stepped in and like almost saved her yeah, yeah no saved her yeah he saved her yeah he saved her with a clever loophole which i was kind of i was waiting for i'm like there's no way you have an all-knowing and almost all-powerful computer that can't find a loophole to some of these issues. Yeah. Yeah. And assuming that the conditions appear right. And Citra created the correct conditions. So that was the first clue that was like, oh, this is new. This is a new side of Citra that hasn't been explored. Yeah. And I I do like the foreshadowing for that moment for the Thunderhead finding the loophole was when Rowan killed or deadished her the first time. And all you get from the Thunderhead is, you can hear me? Hmm, interesting. And that was it. 
Yeah. Which a lot of people might have just been like, what? And then later on, you're like, huh, so that's how he figured out. Like, I can talk. Like, he's been constantly trying to talk to her. Is what trying I to figure out where that little loophole is. Yeah. He basically, he can't interfere. So he can't give her a ton of information. <laughs> but he ends up giving her a name. Gerald Vandergutz. Vandergutz. We're not sure if we should be pronouncing it very English, American, or very German. So it's G. Vandergy. G. Vandergy. <laughs> and then he very discreetly has her moved to the farthest possible recovery center mm-hmm. available. Yeah. Because he knows he has to notify the SICE the minute she wakes up, but. He wants to give time. So then she have to make up. it easy. Yeah. So then she wakes up and uh, Scythe Curie is there mm-hmm. and basically is like, I'm gonna have to carry you out of here. We just gotta go. Okay. And so she zips her off in her, you know, off the grid car, which I'm like, now I get it. Now I get why she's so attached to that classic car. Like, cause you know, like, like you get the hint from Scythe Curie that she's not completely sold on like power structures and like she doesn't trust like systems of governance, no matter what they are. Like she's very skeptical. I mean, she definitely has made her stance on even the one um, she belongs in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like well, she, she she made her stance on organized governments pretty clear uh, a couple decades ago in the book. So yeah, a couple hundred years ago, yeah, <laughs> slaughtered the entire. Going to take out the president and all the cabinet. I mean, we okay, can go. Um, so she takes her to Central America, South America. Um, I, I can't remember what, what direction it goes. Uh, I forget what the name of the actual place. It's, she ends up going through the South Amazonian center. So I assume South America. She ends up she ends up in Amazonia because that's where or that's where she sends Citra to hide. Because mm. I do love that's the other, so. Citra starts to wake up. She's in this hidden Scythe's house. And Scythe Curie kind of gives her a quick rundown, apparently, of Scythe Curie's past with Scythe Faraday and their foyer into romance. And the fact that they died seven deaths for each other and then didn't see each other for 70 years, which was quite romantic. But... Seven deaths can, doesn't seem like that much. Can we, yeah. Well, yeah. But can, can we also mention how she first liked him and knew she liked him and he just thought she wanted to murder him? Like, the page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems very accurate for like teenage on an older guy. Like, I definitely feel like that definitely ha- like that's very realistic. Like, why does she want to kill me? <laughs> Oh, you liked me. <laughs> oh, that's what that was. She's just like, I was fairly intense back then. Mm. <laughs> I, like, I, I love how she says it as if she's not intense now. Uh, yeah. yeah. But in any case, she also gives uh, Citra G-Vand. G-Vand. G-Vandergy. G-Vandergy. I like it. As a name. Yeah. And so, I mean... The book definitely did a good did a good job because I was totally on track of this is a person who's going to know how to take down Highblade or has, you know, back information on Goodard and like 
can mm-hmm. prove how Goodard killed Cytherine. Like, that's where I was tracking on this. Like, I did not get to that same spot. It was interesting. That's, that like, is I, I thought I, something different. What did you think? I thought this was going to be someone who was like, um, like, if this world was to be believed, this would be a person who was more responsible for what had happened to Faraday. Okay. 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 So she tells Citra, okay, you have to go to Amazonia because they don't like other sites and like they won't hand you over. Which, and so then Citra goes on this, you know, adventure where she's like almost getting caught and then she does get caught, but she gets mm-hmm. saved by an Amazonian site who's like, you crossed over to Amazonia. I will end you if you try to touch her. Like, <laughs> look at that they waited. It was like, wait, no, like just, just a couple minutes. Like, and now we're in Amazonia. <laughs> yeah. We're here. We're good. Um, and I did appreciate the fact that she used the tonist as the cover, which was very mm-hmm. interesting because, you know, we always talk about how in reality we have parts of our society that people just try and avoid looking at. Yeah. It's interesting to see that kind of played out in a more grand scale mm-hmm. but anyway she gets to amazonia she gets to g vander g and it turns out to be scythe faraday after she shoots yeah. him though after she shoots him <laughs> just to be faraday who has no idea what's going on has nothing thinks he saved the day with his self-sacrifice just walking out on the patio gets shot in the knee <laughs> yeah okay so she shoots him realize finds out who it is panics slightly and then they solve the problem and then Faraday is pissed like utterly pissed so Scythe Curie goes back explains the whole note situation gets Citra cleared mm-hmm. much to the upset of the high blade mm-hmm. then we turn ever so slightly to Rowan we're for Rowan just for what we needed to be for Rowan we didn't need all that he gets like what three chapters <laughs> if that i think he gets two i think there's only two chapters in here for him but he is he is superb in those two chapters oh, because so goodard decides that they're gonna go kill an entire colony of tonists mm-hmm. and um they all go and he decides that this will be the day that rowan kills does his first glean mm-hmm. and he so they go in and he does his best to try and get people towards the exit to get people out and he comes across it's volta volta yeah, volta mm-hmm. comes across volta and volta has gleaned himself after volta gleaned an entire classroom of children yeah, because he went def- he went yeah. in accidentally. Yeah, that was definitely like a heart wrenching scene. Oh, like that was yeah. really tough to read, mm-hmm. um, and it just sends Rowan over the edge. So he goes to confront Goodard, and he ends up murdering all of the sight. All of them, God burning flame. And then he puts on Goodard's robe and wing and ring. 
and he sets the place ablaze because the only thing that is unfixable is fire. It's one of the interesting things is that um, at the beginning of all of this, like whole book, uh, the, the whole franchise, uh, mm-hmm. I thought of this idea of the rings being like, um, like they're an assigned thing. And then mm-hmm. the the ring is, that's your ring. That's it. You know, um, very much not the case. The only person that we see that did anything that would make it theirs, quote unquote, is Faraday, as far as I know. Yeah. Well, so and I it, get the impression that Curie did as well. It's a possibility. I don't. I have no idea. So at least that's the impression I was left with. It's not like we were explicitly told. Mm-hmm. So he sets it all ablaze, burns them to a crisp, and they both arrive at Winter Conclave. Him infamously, mm-hmm. her a little less so. And they get through their test. This was another, like, this was an emotional roller coaster ride because the final test is you have to kill somebody you love. Well, and killish, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, But still, you have to be the hand that ends them, even though they're going to be revived. I thought it would be an interesting one if they had to actually kill them and then, like, that's it, you know? Like I, 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 don't. Too, but I thought that would be a bit much, particularly because they the only one we see is Citra. Mm-hmm. We go through Winter Conclave from her point of view, and she has to kill her younger brother mm-hmm. with a knife. With too, a knife, which is just very personal. Yeah, um, yeah, we find out that Rowan just has just gets the gun, and it's his mom, right? Yeah, and he just yeah. bam, like he just immediately. There with no. But I mean, I guess after you've actually killed three people, like, yeah. Well, and also the one of the things that we saw in the beginning of the book, which I didn't like at all at the time, um, but is important foreshadowing for the rest of the book. Um, still, still feels a little bit out of character, but I, I don't write it, so what do I know? Um, was Rowan being like, yeah, I know, like that was my uncle, and like I, I did do this. Like he, he very much took on the persona of. Uh, being the bad guy early on like he chose to do that rather than have anyone just uh come at him and him not have some kind of recourse like he 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 takes on the persona of the bad guy very easily and i think we're seeing him do that in this in, in this so they get to the end and they anoint citra and she takes on the scythe name of anastasia in a very poignant moment where she looks at at the high blade and goes, you know, I will be the life that could have been like, don't mess with me. You tried to take me out early and now look what it's got you. Uh, Don't play. And so (laughs) she's called to glean Rowan. She turns around and she punches him with her signet ring. Because he, you know, he murdered her. Like he murdered her. So she's allowed her revenge. This is for breaking my neck. So she punches him and gets his blood on her ring, which is his DNA, protecting him for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was very cunning. It was it was very cunning. And then she basically gives him a heads up like, hey, go and escape now. Mm-hmm. While they're about what to do. Car. Yep. Go. Yeah. So he jumps into the car to find Scythe Faraday. 
And presumably, at some point, we'll get told what the hell just happened. <laughs> presumably, <laughs> like like yeah. he hopped in. He's like it's like his his Uber. He, he gets in the car and he's like, "Okay, no, I gotta go to fourth and twenty second. Third, I gotta go to fourth and twenty second. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> she can't go. Okay. No, but yeah, no. But so I thought the punch was very cunning. Like I really liked it. Like that's a very clever way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Much better than Rowan's, like, because we listen to Rowan's monologue throughout about how he's going to solve the problem, which is basically just to like murder everybody. (laughs) 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 Which I'm like, very masculine tendencies of you. Like, I expected a little bit more, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) I'll never let anybody come near. Okay, dude. I do I do like the kind of sort of Han Solo Princess Leia moment it's like he says I love you and she's just like same here get out like like, I "I love you I know like Like, I don't have time for this Uh, okay yeah you gotta leave good yeah (laughs) anybody who's there's there's the rest of it for anybody who who needs (laughs) Um, was there anything that you guys that went counter to what you may have thought was going to happen as it occurred. So I, I feel like um, probably I have to go back to when I first read it, um, but probably when um, Rowan murdered. Um, oh my God. Why am I playing on his name? Goddard? Goddard. Goddard. Yeah, Goddard. Yeah. yeah. When he murdered the whole clan, I think I was, cause I knew it was a trilogy. I was like, that's a little early. <laughs> oh okay so yeah that didn't surprise me very much because i always saw goodard as the um small potatoes villain yeah kind of like you know you've got um i guess the best way for me to think about it is like loki in the mcu universe like yeah he's the bad guy in the first avengers but you kind of get the impression that like he's not the bad guy he's he's not he's not big bad he's not like there's mm-hmm. def- there's something out there because like to me I'm like Gooder doesn't rise through the ranks unless there's a bigger bad out there. I I, I understand that one. I'd like yeah. to see what would be the bigger bad would be an interesting one. Yeah, you know, I am curious what the bigger bad is because there is two more books, so there has to be a bigger bad. But the ones that shocked me were Faraday being G Vander G. Because that was not what I expected. And the other one was how quickly Scythe Curie was able to clear Citra's name. Like, I expected that to take a whole lot longer. I feel like it probably did. It time jumped pretty yeah. significantly. That's I think fair. it time jumped like three months but at like, least. I expected like more effort. Like, I expected there needed to be more like scheming and like maneuvering. Well, I, and, like, I feel like she said it. it like, hey, that's actually about me from, you know. Yeah. They, they would like, they would like date, ago. they would date the paper and ink or some such thing. Yeah. Well, something well, like, I, you know, have to scrounge through the back brain of the Thunderhead or, you know, yeah. something. The only thing I would say to that is lo- look at how things were resolved when, uh, like, Goddard Godard, um, like, put forward a fake complaint so he could staunch the thing. And it was, it was resolved like in an nice. instant. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, "Who said it? 
Nobody said. Okay, nobody said. It, it, seems, it seems like circumstantial evidence is more than enough for them. It, it, it's just been like it's it's doing like quote unquote due diligence. It's paying lip service to the idea, and then they're okay. Yeah. Well, or how quickly the high blade was willing just just accept like he's like yeah no I can make accident go I can make accident work with Goodard's mm-hmm. death like what well, I mean I he didn't he didn't I got you. Z- Xenocrates did not like that guy. And no. I mean, most people don't even like that guy. No. The people that quote unquote like that guy, they're just like, it's more like out of fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they see the potential for their star to rise with his. Exactly. Yeah. No, but like, I just, yeah, I'm with you. It was kind of like, this is not an acceptable court of law. Like, there is, <laughs> there is no. like your judge jury and executioner are all the same person as is the person prosecuting you and like (laughs) there's no rules and evidence there's no standards like Mm -mm. it's like hmm it's like you said earlier when you were like i mean these rules seem like you could twist them to to your will real easily so easily yeah yeah like the first time we're introduced to those the the 10 commandments or whatever (laughs) commandments what have you i was like mm. and you could go like this with this so you could go like i solidly spent like half an hour going how many ways can i f this up i know i yeah. feel like that could have been the story idea for neil strucherman too is just like thinking of the ten commandments and being like well what if the first commandment was thou shalt kill like, honestly <laughs> what world would honestly. that be in like that's how some writing ideas start it's just one sentence idea and you're just like gotta build a world around this one idea there was yep. a comic that when we when we went to the the shop this last weekend um the comic i'm sure was based on the title and the title was vampire state building <laughs> <laughs> and so i'm sure the entire idea is based off of that one pun you know that would make sense that would oh, make happens all the I do time so anyway yeah overall i'm mad at you jessica but i appreciate you (laughs) and now Uh, i have more books to read on top of our next book i was wondering with with this one did you guys want to approach talking about the sequels maybe in like a one-off podcast for each of those things rather than doing the parts at some point Mm, i'm down because i'm 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 not against it at all yeah no i'm all for it well, you guys are going to have to give me like at least a week because it's supposed to get here Thursday. Yeah. As we have oh, for the second. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Like this yeah, yeah. will be later. Yeah. It, it can be things. later down the line because we also have 5 million shows to watch too for Geeks Watch, which is our other podcast. It's true. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you actually like listening to us, we have Geeks Watch on mm-hmm. the Geek Elite Media Network and we watch fun shows currently we are finishing up the great we are in that process and then we will be doing cursed that's the one you're doing jessica yes yes yeah I'm that's a little cursed. bit of a, that's almost a crossover it, it is it could yeah. be because i'm currently reading cursed right now so. yeah the love, love of geeks watch yeah <laughs> uh so yeah no i'm definitely up for a one-off on each of the sequels but you got to give me some time because oh, yeah. my schedule's a little booked, despite mm-hmm. the fact of not being able to go anywhere due to COVID. <laughs> now, for, <laughs> for anyone that's out there, um, if you guys get to finish the book and everything, let us know what you thought about it too. Um, mm-hmm. Either do that here, like in some kind of like comment situation, if there's a comment 
the system on the platform that you're reading this on or yeah. listening to this on or get at us on Twitter. We'll tell you about those things at the end. Yeah. Perfect. Any other final thoughts on the book? I was surprised. It was better than I thought it was going to be, even though it's still, it's still leaning into some of the things that um, for me end up being like the hallmarks of um, like the mass market YA fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, in no way, shape or form was I mad about it. Like yeah. I still had a great time and obviously went and immediately bought the next two books. <laughs> so no, Yeah. I I'm with you The there were definitely the tropes, but they were done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I don't mind a trope when it's done well. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just thrown in there because you're supposed to have it. Yeah. 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 That's true. No, he's he's a very talented writer. Oh, I'd also like to give a shout out to my friend Dominique, who's listening to us right now. But she also um I forgot she um she got her master's in teen librarian something. Um, but she actually I did a paper on him about how he's apparently a very controversial writer. So she did a paper about Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what's what's controversial. If if the, if her thing is posted somewhere online, that'd be an interesting one to read. Oh yeah, yeah. So if we can get Dominic's approval and find it somewhere for you, we will figure out how to post it, attach it somewhere to the podcast, so you can go do some further research. Mm-hmm. So. All yeah. right. So I guess is it time for me to do my elevator pitch? Yeah. Yeah. What we reading? So, Our next book is got all of the things. It has romance. It has murder. It has mystery. It has magic. And it has recipes. So (laughs) The Accidental Alchemist by Gigi Padden. A-D-I-A-N for those who need a spelling. The Accidental Alchemist follows. uh, Our main character's name is Zoe Faust. And she is an alchemist originally born in Salem during the Salem Witch Trials. I wonder if the Faust part is important to the character. You'll have to read the book to discover. But <laughs> Interesting. She comes across upon moving to Oregon after traveling the country for the last 50 years. She buys an old fixer-upper house outside of Portland, Oregon. And... She unpacks herself to find a living gargoyle statue that needs her help. Who happens to does? Who also happens to be a trained five-star French chef. So there are by the books, there are recipes in the back of the book for the meals that are described in the book. So Interesting. It literally has everything. Hmm. It is a series, so I'm probably going to get accosted for the same reason that I was accosting Jessica <laughs> recently. Mm-hmm. This is a four-part series. Oh, mine's only three. Yeah. <laughs> Each one is standalone, but there is overarching storyline to all of them. But hopefully you will all come and join us for The Accidental Alchemist uh, next, well, in two weeks, because we're going to take a week off to give you some time to find the book buy the book it is purchasable on amazon audible barnes and noble i am sure your local bookstore will be able to find it for you as well Mm -hmm. for anyone Uh, who's looking for an audio version of it it's exclusive to audible there you go for those of you who are listening along with us now i actually did initially read this in audio form 
I actually, Mm -hmm. Audible was the first place. I have listened to three of the four books. I stopped because I was hoping to get Mitch to catch up. He is yet, so I will probably just end up listening to the fourth one on my own. But, you, don't need, you don't need Mitch for this anymore. You have us and everyone listening. Right? Yeah. I don't have to read anymore. <laughs> no breaking glasses, though. Uh, so, uh, we hope that you will join us for The Accidental Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Until next time. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. Jessica, where can people find you? That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were going to close out for a second. I was like, no. No, 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 no. Jessica, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. And you can also find us on the Love of Pages Instagram. And Stephen, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me across all social media as either Peppermint Gent or Peppermint Gentleman. And you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media. Our Facebook page is forward slash Geek Elite Media. And our website is geekleetmedia.com. Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts, including Geeks Watch, are located on geekleetmedia.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe so that other people can find us on any of your podcatchers. Mm-hmm. It helps out. Yeah. So please keep turning pages and always remember to geek, geek out. out. <laughs> <laughs>